Welcome to Gridwalk with Cam Van Den Dungan and Carl Reindler. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning, where I am at least in WA. Good afternoon to the rest of Australia and New Zealand. I'm Carl Reindler, your co-host here on Gridwalk, and my fellow co-host Cameron Van Den Dungan will be with us shortly. Of all things, he's having boat problems while on holiday in beautiful Meetung. Uh, lucky for some, uh, maybe Cam should stick to uh, cars and motor racing, not uh, not boats. Well, um, it's uh, it's been a huge week in sport, as uh, as we all know. We've had uh, AFL Grand Final yesterday, uh, NRL Final today. But as we know, it's uh, also been a really big week in Formula One. Um, we, we obviously touched on it last week. Um, big news from last week was that Red Bull Racing have wrapped up the Constructors title with about half a dozen rounds to spare, which is just incredible. We had Oscar Piastri get his maiden podium, which is fantastic for the, uh, for the Aussies. Uh, we'll, we'll be going through our normal uh, segments throughout the, uh, throughout the program, but first, let's hear from the podium uh, receivers from last week in Max Verstappen, Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri. Well, Max, from where I was standing, that looked very easy. I'm sure winning the Japanese Grand Prix is never easy. Talk to me about your race, starting with lap one, turn one with Lando. Yeah, it was a bit tight in turn one and two, but we managed to, uh, to keep the lead, which I think was most important. Um, and basically from there onwards, I yeah, could just focus on my own pace and look after my tyres. And yeah, we just had a bit more pace than everyone behind us, so um, we, could, we could pull away and, uh, yeah, no, no real issues throughout the race, which I think is always very nice when you can say that. Obviously, that gives you, Sergio, and Red Bull the Constructors' Championship. The RB18 was already a very good car last year, but the RB19, just talk us about what an effort it's been for the team to give you this car this year. Yeah, it's of course a very proud moment for everyone here, here at the track, back at the factory. Um, yeah, I think the season we are having is just incredible. I think everyone can be very, very proud of proud of that. Um, and I think we will even, you know, in a few years' time, you, you look back at it and uh, it probably brings a smile on your face again, just to remember what, you know, you have achieved as a team. Um, but yeah, apart from Singapore, I mean, we have been dominant and that's exactly as a team what you want, want to try and achieve all the time. Well, Oscar, massive congratulations on the result today. Your first podium in Formula One. What's the feeling like now? Very, very happy. Um, yeah, to get my first first podium in F1 is a, a very, very special day. Uh, I think you know there's still a lot to learn and a lot to improve on. But um, no, I'll uh, I'll soak in the trophy, soak in the champagne. I stink from it, but uh, a nice problem to have. Just to dive into your race a little bit, you obviously ahead of your teammate after pitting under the virtual safety car. Lando ended up ahead, seemed to have better race pace. How did you feel that all played out for you? Yeah, I was just struggling for pace a bit. Um, and, and yeah, no, nothing more than that really. So um, a bit still to learn and, and look at. Um, you know, I think these high deck races are still the, the newest challenge for me. Um, but yeah still a lot to learn in some aspects. Cool. Congrats. Well, Lando, absolutely fantastic race from you today. Talk us about how you're feeling right now. I'm very happy. Uh, yeah, super happy. Just uh, pretty much everything went our way today. Um, but uh, we prepared for it all. Great start. I think that was the key to a lot of stuff. Uh, I almost had Max as well. I had him into turn one, just not turn two. Uh, but he was not going to give it up easy, so I didn't I fought, but yeah, I didn't want to take myself out of the race either. So, um, 
it was a great race. The pace was very strong. Um, better than everyone else behind by a, a decent amount. Not as good as Max, but not, not far away. You know, it wasn't like he just cruised away easily and um, he couldn't pit, which was the, probably the best thing. He couldn't pit and go for fastest lap, uh, which was a nice little bonus for us. Maybe he still had it, I don't know. But um, yeah, it was good. And a uh, double podium for us, which I'm, I'm most proud about, you know, for the whole team. For Oscar up there, his first podium in Formula 1, I'm sure it's pretty special for him. So uh, happy for him. Everyone in McLaren, it's been a, a very good day. On your slowing down lap, you said Red Bull were coming for you. Is that starting to be the belief in the team as you build this momentum into 2024? Uh, I mean, absolutely. We're, we're we're not miles away. We're beating one of them already. Just uh, not the not the faster one. So, I mean, to, to be where we are now, I don't think any of us were expecting it or even thinking it in the beginning of the year. So, we're definitely taking where we are, and we're taking our podiums. We're taking a double podium. Um, but we know we still have a lot of things that we can improve, that we are going to improve. And uh, in such a short amount of time, from the beginning of the year, we've been able to turn things around massively and. And I say start to close the gap uh, comparing to every other team to, to Red Bull. So I think that's um, a good sign. And uh, yeah, it's only been one year of a good amount of progress and we know a lot of things to come. So I'm excited for the future. Well, there we have it. We heard from uh, Max Verstappen, young Oscar Piastri, the Aussie, who's kicking goals in Formula One at the moment. And of course, Lando Norris. Great to see McLaren doing so well. And uh, this is Gridwalk. We are going to go to an ad. Join the conversation. Text us on 0433-98-1116. You're listening to Gridwalk with Cam Van Den Dungan and Carl Reindler. Good to be back, Carlos. I mean, really enjoying a grand final edition of Gridwalk, mate. And, uh, well, we've seen the Magpies win, which has broken my heart as a Bombers supporter, mate. And our Formula One drivers, we probably should check off which teams they go for. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo, he's almost, I think he's been number one ticket holder at uh, the West Coast Eagles in the past. And Oscar Piastri goes for a team which uh, finished ninth for so many years in a row and then finally had a run of uh, run of premierships, Carl. A team you love, and that's Richmond Tigers. Yeah, 100%. Love my Tigers and love that Oscar's a fan as well. Do have a soft spot for the uh, for the Eagles being uh, being an original West Aussie. But, uh, yeah, it's been a weekend of footy and I reckon, uh, I reckon we can find a way to twist some uh, some footy into the, the conversation around Formula One this week. What, what do you reckon? What are you suggesting, mate? Well, I mean, to be, to be honest, I feel like, you know, you've got all these... Um, What's the equivalent of like a Norm Smith uh, medal or um, or a Brownlow in in terms of Formula One? What do you think about that? So best and fairest for the year, I reckon you'd, you'd have to go on Max Verstappen. Absolutely, just stand out. He's just had an incredible year. Norm Smith is best in the grand final. So the question is, what's our grand final? Do we have a grand final? Would you say Monaco could be something like our grand final, or is it? Is it just uh, the final round of the year when we uh, we um, we wrap it all up? Yeah, that's a that's a that's a bloody good question. I look, Monaco's the obvious one, but but let's be honest. That in recent years, it I mean, it can produce really good racing if it buckets with rain and things like that. But the reality is, everyone loves a qualifying session at Monaco. So I, I don't know if that should be considered the uh, the equivalent of our of our grand final. But then you're right. If not that, is it a is it a Monza or something like that? It's, you want something oh, with a bit of for history. me. For me, it's like Spa, really, isn't it? Spa, just that that atmosphere you talk about. It. You've driven around there. That place is scary at the best of times. Yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty special place, and 
it sorts the, uh, the the men out from the boys, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. So if that's the grand final, then then who's the best? Well, on that, that's this AFL, year? mate. We we also go out throughout uh, New South Wales. We go out into New Zealand as well. So we've got to talk about NRL grand final today as well. The Penrith Panthers with the uh, double F right at the end. That's the way they say it. Or the Brisbane Broncos. And mate, me being a Melbourneian, before we got Melbourne Storm back in the late 1990s, uh, we were predominantly Brisbane Broncos fans. So whilst um, I do love my Storm, uh, they fell short this year. But uh, I think I'm going to have to go for a Queensland team. I'm not sure I can go for a New South Wales team. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit torn. Being uh, being original, as I said, original West Aussie, I'm I'm AFL through and through. But we are a sporting nation, uh, and Melbourne is certainly the. Uh, I feel like the epicenter of uh, of sport in uh, in our country. So yeah, you kind of have to pick a team. And yeah, for me, with, with without Melbourne Storm being in the mix, I I don't know. I'm I'm torn on this one. Who's who's the favourite? Uh, mate, I think Penrith go in favourite. They they've shown a clean pair of heels to the Storm every time they've played them in recent times, only in the last couple of years. Your mate James Courtney is a massive Panthers fan, so I guess they probably go in favourites, but Broncos, mate, such a storied history. But this, we're not an NRL show. Let's talk F1 for a second because there's been a fair bit of news, mate. This is the time of year when we start looking at uh, next year. We look at driver change, driver movement and other bits and pieces. Probably the biggest story that, that happened off the back of Japan, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the news of Toyota and McLaren um, potentially starting to gain traction of a link-up, potentially power unit supplier from 2026 onwards. Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of manufacturer interest in Formula One at the moment. Uh, I believe they're going to a synthetic fuel, which has really um, got them a little bit excited about that, keep the internal uh, internal combustion engine alive for a little bit longer. So yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting space. Obviously, they're currently they're hybrid cars. Formula One, you know, days gone by was was absolutely uh, the place to be to advance your technology as a car company. It kind of got lost a little bit when they're playing around with you know high output, uh, you know, V twelve, V ten motors. We went to the V eight, of course, and then there's been this big shift towards the the hybrid era recently. I actually feel like. For, for OEMs, car companies around the world, it, it's a great place to be. Um, so I'm not surprised that there is interest from them. Um, obviously, Ford's involvement. Well, it's a strange it's a strange thing, though, because McLaren just finished up um, an agreement with Toyota to use their uh, wind tunnel. So that actually finished. But the conversation um, seems to be going much deeper. You know, they had representatives in the paddock at uh, Suzuka in Japan. They've signed up a Japanese driver from the Toyota um, I guess they're the pool of young talent. They've signed him up as a, as a McLaren um, test driver as opposed to reserve driver. So there's a bit there. But I don't know, Carl, I don't like manufacturers coming into the sport too meaningfully. I, I don't want them taking over teams. I, I, I know you say that it's a, a wonderful proving ground for technology. And, I mean, look at the cars we drive on the road now where you've got, you know, you can harvest the energy off brakes or exhaust. That all comes back from Formula One. But... Mate, when we start moving away from race teams being the lead and manufacturers stepping in, I think we head into dangerous territory for the sport. Do you do you think so? Because with that comes a big cash injection as well, right? They bring money to the table. A, um, yeah, we, we want more teams being at the pointy end of the grid. We spoke about this last week, the fact we had two Haas cars in, in the top 10 um, in qualifying last week. With, with that big injection of cash, I think 
makes the whole grid more competitive. So, and, and the other thing is from, from an OEM point of view, the, the car companies see not only great benefit from that for their technology, but you've seen car companies recently bringing out high-performance cars again where they kind of lost sight of it in recent years. I mean, Toyota, for one, they've got some fantastic uh, road car options. They've, they've realised the importance of it. They've got to tra- stay true to their DNA, where they've come from. So I'm, I'm all for it. I, I, think it's, I think it's a good thing. It can only be good, I reckon, in the long run. Yeah, well, I've got a track limits, I reckon, that I'm toying up whether I do today or tomorrow, and we're in that territory right now. We're not tomorrow, next week is what I meant. Um, I'm toying up which where I go with it, but I've got a different one for today. Which, which, so what are, what are you um, going to hit you me reckon, with today? Do you reckon we come off the top? Do you reckon we come in with a bit of track limits? What do you reckon? Oh, I reckon it's time. Go for it. Track limits All right, let's for temper. A mattress like no other. Proud sponsors of the Formula One on SEM. Okay, that was a third stroke of track limits. You've now been given the black and white flag. Is Cam inside or outside the track? All right, remember the 40 Winks Temper text line. Send in your text or call us here as well uh, and tell me whether I'm inside or outside track limits. Carl, I'm going to flip a coin because I've got two and I don't know which way to go at the moment, but you've led me in here. So I'm going to stay on this topic right now. Go for it. Is this focus on manufacturers coming back into the sport in 2026 a warning of bad times ahead? F1 has always been at its best with professional racing teams focused on track results and not automotive sales, which suggests to me that if manufacturers get involved, they will hurt the sport going forward, and I genuinely believe that. You feel very strongly about that. Uh, we've, we've kind of delved into it a little bit already. I've, I've kind of expressed where I stand on it. I, I like their involvement, so I, I think you're... Uh, you're uh, out of uh, out of track limits there, but I, I I just can't see any negatives coming from it because the thing is these teams have um, managers, team principals, your Toto Wolves of the world that will still, you know, they've got a, an absolute high performance focus. I, I don't think the involvement from these car companies is it's a technological uh, partnership per se more than it is. Um, you know, involvement and, and shifting and shaping it. And, and if you look at other championships when manufacturer uh, involvement is removed from it, um, it it does compromise things sometimes. You, you, that, that cash, it's an expensive sport as we know it, and it's I think it's important. So I don't know if you disagree with those statements. Well, I, I, I don't disagree with the money, and I'm comfortable with them being a supporting partner, power unit supplier, naming rights sponsor, and we'll go through some of the teams when we talk about, you know, which ones have got that involvement. But for me, the bigger concern is the way they come in and dictate, dictate terms. So the sport looks great getting the money. It looks great getting the prestige and the brand and the logo. But what comes with that is, for example, Toyota. And I spoke to a couple of my mates yesterday. I'm going to call out one, a a commentator that does a lot with supercars, and that's Chad Nalon, massive fan of Toyota. He and I were talking about it, and the first response he has is, oh, great, guaranteed there's going to be a young Japanese driver who probably doesn't merit on um, speed gets a seat ahead of someone like uh, Oscar Piastri or Liam Lawson for, for, you know, just two local names. They come in, they tell you who should drive, and then they start to dictate terms, and that is the worry I have about manufacturers. See, I I think Formula One's in such a strong position at the moment that Formula One... Uh, will continue to dictate the rules, the regulations. I think they've actually shifted the rules and regulations to encourage more manufacturers to become involved, like the synthetic fuel um, concept, which I think is great. I think it's, uh, you know, if we can, 
I love driving. Uh, I love driving cars. I love, um, you know, the, the visceral feel you get when you drive a nice car. Electric cars definitely have a place. I, I 100% agree. And I don't think we should delve too much into this on this show. But um, the idea of keeping the internal combustion engine alive, I think, is good. Yeah, the other thing is, we, we obviously, long time ago, we had... Um, you know, cigarette and alcohol money, of course, that was driving and pumping up the sport. That's no longer the case. So uh, the bud, there's budget caps as well. I I can see what you're saying. I, I don't like manufacturers dictating who jumps in the cards. Formula One, sport in general, should be the best of the absolute best. So that's the – when you're talking – I'm winning you. I'm winning you over. Keep coming. I would say you're winning me over. I think, I think you've got a valid point. I think it should be the best 20 drivers on the grid. But then at the same time, drivers will bring money to the table as well. We've seen it all too many times where, you know, you can honestly say the grid at the moment, you've got 20, 20 young, uh, you know, talented drivers on the grid that are all very capable. But I think it's questionable whether they are the top 20 best drivers in the world at the moment. There's probably one or two at the tail end that probably aren't as deserving as other people that don't have the backing or funding behind it. So what's the difference between... Um, them bringing money as an individual, you know, Lance, Lance Stroll, his, his father, Lawrence owns one of the te- teams. How is that different to, to manufacturers? Yeah, but does anyone it? think, does it, yeah, that's actually, okay. I'll give you that point. I'll give you that point. Money does dictate, but the challenge for me is more, I think I'm bringing some history to this where I watched Toyota try to come into the sport. Well, they did come into the sport with that ill-fated, you know, billion dollars over two years they spent to come in and, and never really return a result out of that team. I just I just don't feel like it's true Formula One unless you have the Williams, McLaren, you know, the these incredibly um, rich, amazing racing teams that if Andretti comes in, they will bring that pedigree. Haas to a certain level um, haven't had the results yet, and we'll talk about them because there's a manufacturer tied to them shortly. But remember, call in one 736 736 to join in the conversation here or the 40 Winks temper text line 0433981116. Am I inside or outside the bounds when I say that manufacturers coming in en masse in a big man- is, is warning signs of bad times ahead for Formula One? This is Track Limits, thanks to Temper, a mattress like no other. They are also proud sponsors of Formula One on SEN. I should give a big shout-out to Jason Nicholas, mate. He's the head of Temper in this part of the world. He's a huge supporter of Formula One and a huge supporter of this show, so big shout-out to Jason. And I'm pretty sure he's a Collingwood supporter, which hurts me to say it, but he's probably had a great night. So, Carlos, what else have we got going on at the moment in this? Have you got anything else other than the cash? Is that where you're at? Cash, that's the only thing manufacturers bring. Well, I would also say that manufacturers have always been involved in some capacity. You've you've always had a, a partner, a, you know, Honda have been involved for some time. Audi are coming back in in 2026. There's there's always been some involvement, but you, you talk about the the famous names in. Uh, I mean, Ferrari itself is a is a manu- It's a bit of a unique one, I agree, but. You've, you've got the Williams that will continue to be there. You've got Sauber that's still there that's supported by Alfa Romeo. The, these teams will continue to exist. I, I don't think the OEMs, the, the car manufacturers, can do it by themselves. So they will always be a partner to an existing team. You've got Sauber, um, Haas, you've got um, you know, McLaren. They obviously build road cars as well, Ferrari. I, I see absolutely no issue with it whatsoever. 
All right, all right. We'll come back. We'll dissect this a little further. Right now, you're tuned into Gridwalk with thanks to Bedpost. Upgrade your sleep with Bedpost to recharge your mind and body. And we're going to take a quick break on Gridwalk. Join the conversation. Text us on 0433-98-1116. You're listening to Gridwalk with Cam Van Den Dungan and Carl Reidler. Welcome back to Gridwalk. It's time now for DRS, Drama, Rumours, Socials, with thanks to Sportsnet. Sportsnet holidays for money you can't buy F1 experiences. Access Sportsnet's exclusive travel packages to every thrilling race of the F1 season at sportsnetholidays.com forward slash gridwalk and we've got actually a special guest from sportsnet joining us today on the phone carl and let's bring him in now will barnes welcome to gridwalk thanks guys how are we going pretty good it's a weekend uh weekend off for me um between rounds uh it's obviously uh japan last week qatar next week so parked up here in perth for a few days which is nice Absolutely. Well, yes, uh, good weekend to enjoy the footy this weekend. Back to Formula One next weekend. Yeah, sorry, absolutely, definitely. Uh, it's been good to, to park up here and uh, enjoy the footy this weekend and uh, reignite things next weekend. So yeah, tell us uh, tell us a bit about uh, about what you, what you guys actually do. Yeah, so at Sportsnet, uh, we um, build some fantastic packages around um, uh, Formula One. Uh, not only Formula One, but uh, multiple uh, sporting events uh, around Australia and, and the world. Um, so, we, yeah, with Sportsnet, hotels, uh, amazing tickets, grandstand tickets, uh, hospitality options, absolutely everything all together. And we do some unbelievable functions as well where we can get some, uh, some special guests in as well to do some, some great Q&A sessions. Sounds like a lot of so, fun. Will, I'm going to jump in here really quickly, Carlos. Let me jump in for two seconds, mate, because um, I'm going to talk about drama, rumours and socials. They've come on board Sportsnet with Will and the crew and we've got uh, Dan Ciccone. He's one of the, the, the greats over there as well. Awesome to have the crew from, um, from Sportsnet on board. This is all about drama, rumours and socials. So, Will, we're going to have you on board just for a couple of these, mate. So stick around for two seconds here because one of the big dramas I want to talk about, and we've been talking about it in episodes gone by, is where to for Liam Lawson. Now, Vals, the, uh, the boss over there at Williams, Carlos, has come out and said uh, about Logan Sargent, we want him in the seat next year. He knows what he needs to achieve. Now, the fact that Vows has got to come out and talk about that publicly, does that say that Logan Sargent is, they're trying to reassure him, put some confidence in him? Is that the first sign of, you know, like in footy terms, the board is right behind the coach? Yeah, look, I think it's the, it's almost the opposite of what Red Bull Racing do. Um, yeah, the Red Bull Racing approach seems to be make the drivers feel uncomfortable, put them under pressure so that they do perform. Whereas I, I think you're right. I think they're trying to take away a bit of pressure off Logan. It is his rookie year and that's kind of been uh, a, a bit of an excuse, if I'm being really honest, for him throughout the year. You've got his teammate Alex Albon who's been kicking goals all all year. Uh, finished fourth at Zandvoort uh, yeah, a couple of weeks ago and driving incredibly well like just so confident in that car and then you get a rookie like oscar who comes in and then liam of course as well both of whom have shown that you can actually come into a uh, a championship the pinnacle of of motor racing in formula one 
and be competitive against your teammate. In fact, Liam has been quicker than uh, Yuki Tsunoda the, the last uh, last few rounds. So I think um, I think they're trying to take the pressure off uh, off Logan Sargent. The fact is, he's he's done some damage this year. He's had a he's had a lot of accidents. He's been making mistakes, unforced errors, and and frankly, you know, it's it's cutthroat as we know in this game, and uh, he hasn't performed. So I would struggle to see how they would put him back in the seat next year. I don't know if Logan comes with money to to the to the seat as well, and obviously. Um, Williams as a team has been taken over, um, uh, I guess, private equity uh, the last couple of years. So the fact that he brings some cash, if he does, is a good thing. But from a purely performance standpoint, you'd say that Logan is not performing. And I think that they should give a seat to someone that uh, that is doing the right thing and kicking goals in maybe a Liam Lawson. Well, let, let's talk to Will for a second here. Will, I, I hear you're an F1 nut, mate. That's what I've been told. You enjoyed, um, no doubt, uh, selling some packages for Sportsnet holidays, but also just enjoying the sport itself. The drama there for you is, if Liam Lawson doesn't get a seat over there, does that do any damage to getting some packages out of New Zealand, a, a country that has ignited off the back of Liam Lawson? I guess it it, uh, it always helps. Uh, I guess for us Aussies, it's it's so good to see uh, Oscar absolutely flying at the moment, and uh, and Daniel getting a, a seat back as well. Um, but I think yeah, Liam's driven unbelievably well in the in the few races that he had. I think he'd be unlucky not to uh, yes keep a seat for next year. So that drama that we're going to stay on, Carlos, for a second, is that Logan Sargent is the the last piece in the puzzle, the last seat available. Hasn't fully committed or hasn't been committed for the next year. But Liam Lawson, Red Bull has come out, and um, Christian Horner over the Japanese weekend talked about the fact that he was going nowhere. He is staying in the Red Bull family, and they need a reserve driver program, a full-time reserve driver program for him for season 2024. The reality is, though, I look to a year ahead of that again. So you finish 2024. You're now starting to look at 2025. Who's the odd person out within the Red Bull structure that um, that gives up their seat? If Checo, you know, he's still apparently keeping his seat there. You've got Yuki, who has re-signed. You've got Daniel, who's re-signed. You've got Liam promised a seat basically in 12 months' time. And add to that um, Lando Norris, is being openly talked about as getting that Red Bull drive from 2026 when he becomes available. Yeah, it's a big problem. Where does Liam Lawson fit? <laughs> I, I don't know where he fits, but we all agree that he, he's deserving of an F1 drive. He's, uh, he's done three three races now and uh, done incredibly well, got got some points for uh, for Alpha Tauri. Um, I, I said it last week, and I'm going to stick to my guns on this, Cam. I, I can't see Checo seeing out next year without someone replacing him. Um, I don't know if Daniel then becomes a likely substitute to jump in beside uh, beside Max. I think Daniel, you know, would be a fantastic one. They've been great teammates in the past. They, we know that they get on well. Daniel, yeah, might tally up another few wins in his career, which we'd all love to see. But um, that would, that would of course, leave a space open at AlphaTauri for, for Liam Maybe the curveball might be that they throw Liam in beside uh, beside Max, but uh, but again, the, the conversations around Lando as well. I I mean, it's a it's a good problem for Red Bull to have so many drivers at their at their disposal. I think Yuki needs to pull his finger out and uh, start giving it to his teammates as well. I think he's been a little bit 
complacent until recently, but he's at the Japanese Grand Prix, he drove like a man possessed. So for Liam, I don't know. But yeah, I heard the same rumor. I heard, I heard that he was promised contractually a, a, a Formula One seat in 2025. So I don't know what they're going to do. Well, well, let's let's talk about the packages that come up for the rest of this year and into next year. Will, what do you got available? How do people get involved with Sportsnet Holidays? I've been involved with you guys. I've hosted some events. You have some incredible Formula One talent come and talk at these things. When's the next big one coming up? And and how do we, you know, how do our listeners get in on uh, get in on the action? Absolutely. So uh, ne- next uh, big one for Sportsnet is uh, is the Australian Grand Prix next year. Um, where we've still got, yes, plenty of options, plenty of packages available on uh, via the website, sportsnet.com. Uh, and uh, we also work in partnership with F1 Experiences as well. So we can actually get a range of packages for every single event um, for every year, um, where they consist of, yeah, tickets and then some unbelievable experiences to do pit lane uh, walks, grid walks, Paddock access, uh, Champions Club access. Uh, we do have some some really great options all through the uh, Sportsnet website. So, so very quickly, people are talking about not being able to get a ticket for the Grand Prix next year. You're saying you've got some tickets available as part of your package, which gives you access all areas, access to drivers, corporate facilities. You've still got some available. We've got some. Yes, we've still got some some packages available. They are going very, very quickly, understandably, but uh, we've still got some options available. I get asked that all the time, Carl. How many times do you get asked by friends, how do I get a ticket? I think we've got an answer. Exactly right, 100%. I've got a question for you, Will. Have you got a personal favourite? I quite enjoy, obviously, the Australian Grand Prix is a fantastic one, being being the home round, but even the Europeans I spend time with absolutely love the Aussie Grand Prix. Singapore's a good one as well. Do do you have a personal favourite that you've been to over the last few years? I've been lucky enough to turn over to Singapore a couple of times. Uh, absolutely unreal event. And, uh, yes, saving those pennies to uh, to get around to a few more over the next few years, I think. Oh, mate, that sounds awesome. We're going to let you jump off the line and enjoy the rest of your day. We'll get prepared for the NRL Grand Final. I hope you're recovered after an AFL Grand Final. No doubt you hit up a couple of parties somewhere. Uh, thank you for joining us, mate. And we'll speak to you again uh, over the rest of this season a couple of times. Thanks, guys. Well, that was awesome. Great to hear from Will, mate. Carl, way to go. If you want to get into a Formula One, go overseas. Singapore's the one. You and I, we've, we spoke about on our Singapore show how much we love that event. That's a huge one for Sportsnet holidays as well. So great to have them on board as part of DRS. Staying on, drama, rumours, social. I've got another drama for you, Carl. Hit me. Go for it. Okay. Your Mercedes and your Ferrari. You are now fighting for second in the Constructors' Championship. Mercedes are going in a different direction with their car for next year. When do they switch their attention for next year's development and how long do they stay in the fight for second in the constructors this year between Mercedes and Ferrari? Because they have to start turning attention to next year, particularly Mercedes who are going in a different uh, developmental direction. It's always it's always the predicament. At what point in the championship do you shift your focus to the following season? And I, I, I truly believe that Red Bull have already made that shift towards 2024. As for, you know, the, the constructors title and, and there's a lot of money to be won, um, you know, for getting up a place in, uh, in the constructors championship. I, I think they need to fight it till the, uh, right till the end. So 
it, it's it's a tricky one because you've only got so much capacity, so much wind tunnel time that you can invest, uh, you know, for for this season as well as the following. I I, I don't know how Mercedes are going to go at the moment as well because you know you add to the you know the drama and the rumor at the moment going around. I mean, there, there's they've got some battles within the team going on. We saw it Japan last week. George took a long time um, to obey the instructions that he was given by his team to let uh, Lewis through at the end of the race. So they've, they've got some issues that they need to deal with uh, to manage within the team. Toto wasn't in um, Suzuka as well last week, which probably didn't help uh, matters. If I were in Mercedes AMG's shoes right now, I reckon I'd be I'd be focused on 2024, coming back with a vengeance, with a strong car, Especially if they're going down a different direction, concede defeat for this uh, for this season. I think they've done well to come back strong at the tail end. But you look at the different races that we have at the tail end of this year. There's some really quick circuits we're going to as well, and we know that the Mercedes AMG hasn't been fast in a straight line. They struggled at Monza. Um, you know, the Circuit of the Americas is coming up. Vegas is a bit of an unknown. We've got big long straights there at Vegas as well, and Abu Dhabi has one of the longest straights on the whole calendar. So. I, I'd be focused on 2024 uh, and Ferrari. They're, they're just going from strength to strength at the moment. They've found a bit of a groove. They've got momentum. Both drivers performing well. In fact, Carlos, you know, outshining uh, Charles at the moment, in my opinion. So, yeah, that's kind of where I stand. What do you think? Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll start to dissect that, I think, on the other side because I've got a couple more rumours. It seems like on DRS, Carl, all I've got is drama at the moment. I've got some rumours, but all those rumours are turning into actual reality and drama, and there's plenty going on on socials as well. You're tuned in to Gridwalk with thanks to Bedpost. Upgrade your sleep with Bedpost to recharge your mind and body. And here we go to another ad break. We'll come back with so much more on the other side of this. Join the conversation. Text us on 0433-98-1116. You're listening to Gridwalk with Cam Van Den Dungan and Carl Reindler. Welcome back to Gridwalk. We're heading for home right now and Carlos track limits leads into DRS and that becomes the end of our conversation for today and it all wraps up into one big bundle. So track limits we've had so far with thanks to temper, a temper, a mattress like no other and DRS with thanks to Sportsnet Holidays. Mate, the merging of the two becomes this, uh, mainly in and around manufacturer involvement. You started to talk about it before. Off the top of the show, we talked about Toyota and McLaren in 2026 as a rumour, so that we started that off the top of the show. That is part of our DRS rumour. You lead into Audi, mate. Many people that we're listening to this show may not be aware that um, Audi are coming back into the sport in a big way with their purchase or a part their purchase of the Sauber Group, Alfa Romeo leaving as naming rights sponsors of Sauber. Audi are returning as a 2026 power unit supplier. Um, but the big thing for me is that they've had 120 people working on the Audi F1 power unit program at their base in Germany since October 2022. When Audi come into a sport, they win. Do you think that Audi, when they come on board as that power unit supplier, will be able to drive Sauber well and truly up the grid? I think they'll have a massive positive influence over it. But as we know in this sport, it's so much more than the power units. I think it's a huge part of it. We've seen that when, you know, Ferrari didn't produce the best car aerodynamically, but they had an amazing motor behind them. I, I think they need to be doing the work now for 2026 to, to you know, they, when you talk about these, um, these Formula One teams, they have... Yeah, 
decades of, of experience and knowledge in building these motors and reliability is obviously important as well. There's so many constraints put in place on these teams to make sure that the, the engines and the equipment, the gearboxes, et cetera, last the test of time. So they need to be doing it, but I think it will definitely help the, the Sauber team, if you want to call it that, for want of a, a, a better term. But they need to get everything else right as well. And I don't know how much influence they will have over wind tunnel testing and aerodynamics and all of that. We've seen that, you know, you can, you can have a team like a Mercedes AMG who was dominant for so long and then ever so slightly get it wrong last year with the interpretation of the rules and end up really, really struggling with the car and having issues and, and the drivers really struggling to, uh, you know, keep it on the straight and narrow. So, I, I think it's great they're taking it seriously, and you're absolutely right. Everything that Audi have committed to in motorsport, whether it's back in the day, the Group Group B rally stuff in the, the late 80s and early 90s, I think it was off the top of my head, the obviously the, the huge Le Mans program that they committed to initially with the diesel uh, cars and then obviously the, the hybrids. I mean, they, they were so dominant for so long. Like They don't go into things like this to, you know, to come second, they, they are in it to win it. It might not be the very first season, but I, I reckon they'll be, yeah, I mean, we could, we can place a bet now for 2026, but they'll be, they'll be certainly in the top five manufacturers, I think, uh, or constructors, oh, wow, I should hey. say in, in the first season, I would say. Yeah, that's, that's a big statement. Well, let's stay with Alfa Romeo though. And we'll move into rumors because this rumor has been around for quite some time. I've been trying to talk to the, the local, uh, Alfa Romeo representatives in Australia to find out more information, but it's gone so quiet, Carl. There was a very strong rumor that Alfa Romeo, after they left the Sauber group as a title sponsor, were actually going to move into a deal with Haas. Therefore, uh, rebadging the Ferrari engines to, or power units, I should say, to Alfa Romeo. And so, a bit like um, when Red Bull had the Tag Heuer and you know the, the change of naming for different power units, but apparently naming it Alfa Romeo. That was all supposed to be announced at the start of September. It's gone quiet. What are you hearing from a rumor of Alfa Romeo coming back into the sport um, after leaving as title sponsor of um, the Sauber Group at the end of this year? You know what? I haven't actually heard that much about it. I and, and it has gone really quiet, which makes me a bit uh, a bit nervous. I I don't know if it's the best uh, the best possible move to jump from one team to the other. But at the same time, I think Haas. Uh, you know, it's a slow trajectory, but it's a positive trajectory. They've they've slowly been chipping away at it. They've got some continuity with their drivers. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm, I haven't really heard that much about it. Well, well, we'll keep an eye on that one and bring it uh, as it sort of the end of the year starts to flow out. We we'll, we'll, might move from rumour to drama. It may move to socials. Who knows? Uh, we're starting to get towards the end of the show, so I'm going to wrap up, get, get into a couple more uh, a little bit a little bit closer, a little bit tighter. There's one that broke recently, Carl. So it's a drama, I call it, and it's around the Australian Grand Prix. Speed Cafe broke the story. I like to uh, uh, you know, attribute the, uh, the source of a lot of information, so they did get this one and got it out that supercars in Australia are actually going to be bumped from their pit lane in the Formula 1 Grand Prix in favour of Formula 2 that need it. So that's all broken, which is fair enough. Formula 2 needs, um, as an open wheeler, they need that space. They need to be in a um, in a pit lane. But it is a bit of a, a – it's a tough bit of pills for a local leader to accept. Having said that, Carl, um, I know it's a drama for supercars, 
I think the sport's doing the right thing because you need to prioritise Formula 2, which is like, like our VFL version of, um, or, you know, Tier 2 version of the sport. It needs priority. Yeah, look, I think F2 definitely needs priority. It is, uh, it is like like the VFL. It's uh, it's that second tier championship. That's where the uh, the F1 drivers are going to be coming from. Um, I know there's a lot of people saying that it's a it's a negative thing for for supercars. I mean, one positive out of it all is it's going to bring supercars. It's going to be a lot more accessible to the fans at the Australian Grand Prix. Uh, I think being on the program at the Aussie Grand Prix is is a fantastic thing. Um, there are limited spots, and especially now that it's a slightly late later slot in the year, uh, I think they've got one less support category than what they've had previously as well. So you've got F1, F2, F3, supercars, and then historically Carrera Cup as well, which I'm involved with in, yeah. uh, in this country. The other thing is F2 have committed to the Australian Grand Prix through it, or correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's 2037, which is basically the existing contract for Formula One as it stands. So they are there for the long term. The other thing is what I really enjoy about supercar racing at the Grand Prix is that it is, I think the sprint racing format, it's really exciting. I think it's some of the best racing. We've seen some big accidents happen in the last few years or the last 10 or 15 years at the Australian Grand Prix, but it's still a championship round. It produces good racing. The Aussie fans love it. They're still there. They're not going anywhere. And I think it's going to bring it closer to the fans. They're going to be able to get amongst the pits and see more uh, more of the supercars action. So last one we're going to be able to cover off in this show. 13 franchises for Formula One teams are available. Only 10 are in use. We've seen three bids knocked out. Andretti looks like the only one to return. And most likely, Carl, you'll love this, with the support of General Motors, yet another manufacturer. Great, as you said before, um, in terms of manufacturer involvement. But for me, from a track limits perspective, of which you say I'm outside the bounds... Um, I mean, it could be good for the sport. I'd like all 13 franchises in use. I, I think more cars out there is better. I think we've seen it in every championship. The, the better depth you have, yeah, I'm all for it. And Andretti, fantastic team. They'll kick goals in no time. Well, you've been tuned in to Gridwalk with thanks to Bedpost. We'll catch you next week with so much more new sport and guests.